The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I'm joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? It's almost disconcerting hearing you with the same level of energy to start the show, even though it's, pulling me back the curtain here, it's after 9 p.m. So we're recording this podcast a little later than we usually yes. do. We Welcome. usually record during the day. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Break the Business After Dark. Yes. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk like this the whole oh, time. Oh, yeah. Grab your loved one, get a nice bottle of brandy or covassier, like the ladies' man says, and uh, snuggle up for some music business podcasting. Oh, yeah. Contracts. <laughs> I wish, you know, if I knew you were going to do that bit, like I would have had, you know, some kind of sultry, kind of jazzy music queued up. Some like 70s uh, bass and wow. I know. Wow. This is why we do show prep, Dave. But also off the cuff is good. That's fair enough. Leads to the best laughs. Um, be sure to contact the Break the Business podcast at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Follow Dave at D-K-A-Y-E-1027. Mm-hmm. For God's sake, change that Twitter handle, man. No. No? Because your seven followers have already grown accustomed to something and you don't want to wean them off it? I don't like you. <laughs> Um, you can also rate, review, and subscribe to the Break the Business podcast on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Coming up uh, in the next segment, we have Zach Biss and Rebecca Reed. Uh, this is, these, these kids are cool. You get two Florida kids. Florida kids, yeah, from the Tampa era, about four hours away from our hometown of Miami. The, the Tampa area. What'd I say? Tampa era. Hey, that was kind of like... Yeah, you got kind of in the Tampa, Florida uh, mood there, but... <laughs> So Zach and Rebecca are college students at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee, who, while being college students, are also running their own independent music careers separately as well as together because they do some projects together. We're going to have them both on at the same time from Belmont, and they're going to have lots of great tips for us. We're going to talk to them about how they balance the college career with the music career. And we haven't had a guest of college age before. They're going to make us feel old, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. But a lot of great insights. Yeah. I'm looking forward and to it. Belmont, that's the school you wanted to go to, I think. Oh, are we, are we going to peek into my history now? Yeah, well, also, because it's funny, because you wanted to go there before going to UM. And then while there, you wanted to leave for some reason. Even though, Were we roommates at that point yet? When you wanted to bail? When you wanted to bail and go to Belmont? You wanted to bail on me? Uh, Ryan, when I was in high school, I was a huge music business person. I wanted to go like to like a music business school. Yeah. And it's funny because like about halfway. Well, what if, if you're going to ask me questions about like if you're going to go into my personal life, I'm going to go ahead and finish with wait, your wait, thoughts. Wait. You wanted to go into music business. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to go to the music industry. You wanted to be like maybe like a manager or something. Actually, yeah. When I was in high school. This is going to be funny because I'm anti-record label, but since you brought it up, when I was in high school, I was sure that I wanted to be a record executive. I wanted to be the next L.A. Reid or Clive Davis. Is that like a huge revelation? Have I lost all credibility? Not with me, Ryan. Oh, music industry fat cat. All right. <laughs> yeah, I hope you don't mind. That's all the door was open. Uh, not professional, you guys. Well, let me explain. Oh, sorry. Go. You gonna... No, Ryan. I like to. I, I hear this. I, li- I like this. That uh, you wanted to be a manager like me. But I did. When I was in high school, I wanted to be just like you. I wanted to be a record executive. Uh, here's a cigar. Oh, okay. I guess I guess I can puff on this in here. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to play along in the improv here. That's that's some really good uh, work there, Ryan. I like that. Nice pantomime. Thanks. I do, I do what I can. <laughs> um. When I was in high school, I thought I was going to be a record executive. Keep in mind, this was back in 2002, 2003, Mm -hmm. before the industry collapsed, collapsed, before Spotify, before, you know, Facebook, you know, became like a medium for distributing music and things like that. And I thought record labels were going to be around forever and that I was going to be a part of them. And then what I wound up seeing as I went to college 
and law school and now working as a practicing lawyer is how corrupt that side of the industry has become and and how unnecessary they've the that modern record labels have become to breaking new artists in right. the changing industry. So in in high school when I was dreaming of going to like a music business school, I thought I was going to be music industry fat cat. And today, you know, I fight against music industry fat cat. Sorry, Mr. Fat Cat. Yeah, that's all right. Hey, at least I know where you live, Ryan. <laughs> I find that very comforting. Uh, but Belmont is actually a good school and they do train the next, they are training a lot of the next generation of country music stars, as well as music executives, mm-hmm. I mean, including record executives, but also, you know, people who work in the tech industry, people who are going to be record producers, people who work as artist managers, many of whom, many artist managers are great. People who uh, wash and wax mixing boards. That's right. <laughs> There's an obscure Simpsons reference. Thank you. <laughs> but... All of that notwithstanding, it's going to be great to talk to Zach and Rebecca. I'm really thrilled to have them on. Before we bring them on, though, I wanted to talk about an article that came out in the Huffington Post earlier this week. All right. I always say one of the reasons why I give out uh, the BreakTheBusiness.com email address on this show is I tell pe- guests, or sorry, I should tell the listeners on this show, if you have something that you want us to talk about, if you have an idea for a show segment, send it to us and we would be happy to bring it up on the show. Right. And I had a show segment ready to go, and then I got an email from a friend of the show who wanted us to talk about something else. And because I am just so needy for the approval of our listeners, I'm going to talk about this thing instead of the thing I was going to talk about. Thank God it's a good thing and not a weird thing. Yeah. Um, listener, friend of the show, um, a good buddy of mine, Josh Morales, uh, sent us an article. Oh, wait, I told him if I was going to use his segment, I would put out his Twitter handle. Uh, you can follow him at Josh Morales 85. So there you go. That's kind of needy, Josh. <laughs> well, like you, he needs the followers, too. Um, he sent an article, a great article, about a guitar virtuoso named Joe Bonamassa. Yep. You, you, you're familiar? Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah. He, I mean, you're, you're a guitar guy. You love great guitar players. You, you, you own a couple yourself. And if you love guitar players, you got to love Joe Bonamassa. He's a... He was a prodigy when he was 12 years old. He opened for B.B. King. Um, He's released 12 albums in his career and has done them independently. He releases all of them under his own entertainment company called J&R Adventures. And so the Huffington Post did an interview of Joe Bonamassa by Jason Landry, where he was basically asking Joe Bonamassa a bunch of questions about his guitar collection and his latest album. But inside that interview was a lot of great nuggets about being an independent artist right. and how he's built a very lucrative career out of being an independent artist. Um, he's made a ton of money. He tours all over the world and everywhere he goes, people love him. And he's you know made a lot of outstanding music. And there were a couple great pieces in that article about being an indie artist that I wanted to bring up um, in this article. Again, this is Jason Landry. The title of the article is uh, Joe Bonamassa from Behind the Sixth String. So three things that were brought up in that article, I think it was really cool. Um, And the first of them is uh, one of the cool things about being an indie artist is the fact that you can do the projects you want to do, even if they're unique ones. Uh, One of the tough things about, you know, going into the label life is that somebody else is making a lot of business decisions for you. If you are a label artist and you say something like, hey, label or you can be in music industry fat cat here, right? Okay. So Music Industry Fat Cat, uh, I'm signed to your label, and I would like, you know, I've done a lot of albums of just traditional music, but I happen to really love Star Trek, and I want to make a whole album of Star Trek songs. Can I do that, Music Industry Fat Cat? What, are you kidding me? Do you know what the kids are buying these days? They're buying Taylor Swift. They're buying Kanye. No one wants to hear about uh, tricorders or uh, beaming or... uh Anything like that, no, Ryan. I, I understand, Fat Cat, but you know, this isn't just about record sales for me. This is something that means a lot to me, and it would be very important to my development as an artist. Surely you can understand that. What is this word? Artist. <laughs> I don't know. You're just a walking dollar sign to me, Ryan. And that's exactly the point. So Joe Bonamassa just finished a tour, Dave, which he called the Three Kings Tour. And what he did on this tour, instead of playing all of his own music... I really hope he just showed the movie Three Kings. Yeah, that's what happened, yes. With uh, George, George Clooney. Clooney. Yeah. No, it's even better than that. Although that would have been a good tour, too, because that's a good movie. Uh, he did a tour where he did nothing but play songs from his three favorite musicians, B.B. King, Albert King, and Freddie King. 
And that's all he did on the tour. And I'm guessing music industry fat cat would not be okay with something like that, but he doesn't have to answer to you because he's his own man. And if he wants to do that, because it means something to him as for his development as an artist, he can do that. And if somebody like Mary Amber, who we interviewed on the first week of this podcast, wants to make an entire album of Doctor Who songs. Doctor Who's a what's it? <laughs> thank you, Music Industry Fat Cat. She's free to do that. And that's one of the great things about being an indie artist. And so the second cool thing from this article about being an indie artist and the advantages of it, uh, Bonamassa goes into a lot of detail about how if you don't control your own business as an artist then you can't keep your career from failing. And basically, somebody else gets to decide if you fail. And I'm going to quote right from the article here because Bonamassa said it perfectly. For new artists, it's critical that when you're starting out that you understand that the second word in music is business. And you have to treat it as a business. You can't just default to, I'm just a musician and other people handle the business. The minute you actually get somewhere, if you don't know how you made it there and it just happened... You don't know how it's going to disappear, and you can never get it back if you don't know how it got there in the first place. And that kind of reminds me of uh, the story we talked about a few weeks back with Tara Naomi, where you know she was a YouTube star, and then she signed the record deal, and basically she left her fate in somebody else's hands. She lost all control over her promotion, about the songs she writes, about the way she presents herself to the world, Yeah, and... Her career fell apart completely because a label did not do their job well. So just you know, nothing she could have done. Her fate was in somebody else's hands. Mine. That's right, industry fad cat. Okay, just, just, just move, move back, all right? Move back. <laughs> I'm just trying to get rid of him. I know. Yeah. And so if you're an artist and you want to actually decide if you fail, and if you're going to fail and you want it to be on your own terms— then you have to go on the indie side because if you're leaving your career to big entertainment companies, somebody else gets to determine your fate for you. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to screw up, I'd like to be the reason why I screw no, up. No, yeah, it's nice to control your own fate. And uh, it's funny that you speak of it that way because uh, Bonamassa says later in the article, the real trick to it all is to control as many parts of your own destiny as humanly possible. Without that, you have to bow down to people and play the game which is always fun and disheartening and soul-sucking. Or you can do it all on your own. Write your own checks, call your own shots, and make your own hours. I prefer the B method than having to show up to somebody's office and play a tune just to get them to support a record that they should have fucking supported back when you signed. At the end of the day, it becomes a self-fulfilled prophecy or a self-defeating prophecy, depending on the way you look at it. So he's saying he likes me. Oh, music industry <laughs> fat cat, get out of here. Yeah, it sounds like he's had some uh, issues in the past. Yeah, <laughs> I would say so. Um, but yeah, it, it, it all gets back to it. Imagine, you know, you, you hear this uh, famous phrase. I think it was in the Tom Petty song, Into the Great Wide Open, where the A&R guy says he doesn't hear a single. So imagine you, know, you create this work that you're really proud of and you think it's going to be great and you just want to put it out in the world. But then... Music industry fat cat says, you know, I don't hear the hit. Sorry. You know, it's not commercially satisfactory. Right. The world's never going to hear this work. The, the people who are fans of your music are never going to get to hear this thing you created, even if they want to hear it. If I can play devil's advocate, Ryan. Okay. That may be true. But then if you don't have a checks and balances like me, or you take a puff of my cigar. Of course. Then you're liable to get some bad stuff, Ryan. Bad you're stuff. You're liable to get Ryan Adams 1989. <laughs> <laughs> what, you, ooh, good point hey. good point but we want people we like it when people make their own choices for better or for worse you know maybe maybe you get a ryan adams 1989 that david doesn't like too much but you also get mary amber making a delightful album of doctor who songs and i'm guessing there's no record executive alive that would have let her make that album and that's a shame because it's great yeah but at least she had an original thought in her head and it was great and you should support mary amber Pop Goes the Tardis, right? Yeah, That's right. Pop Goes the Tardis. It's on my phone still. I got it. <laughs> so the third thing that he brought up was he talked about the importance of pulling the levers and being to, getting to be the guy that makes those choices. And so to sort of uh, pick up from what we were talking about before, what Bonamassa was saying before, owning your own label, which he owns, like he releases all of his stuff through his own company, 
avoids having to sit in some A&R guy's office and have them speak about some absolute fucking nonsense. And I don't mean to swear, but I'm just trying to quote directly here to you about not hearing a single or not hearing this, that, or the other thing, or why something's not happening or him getting fired by the label so that you're left on some Island without a bridge, which by the way is what happened to Tara Naomi. Um, her guy at the label got Mm -hmm. fired and she was screwed. And then you got a promoter saying that, well, you did less tickets on a Monday than you did the last time you played. So I'm going to offer you half the money and we'll keep it at the same venue with the same ticket price. All of a sudden, you're in a situation where other people are in charge of your destiny. There's a lot of great, great, juicy kind of concepts in here. And Bonamassa gets it. And um, I hope one day we could actually interview him, although he's, you know, he's so big time. Like, I don't know if he'll ever sit on this humble little podcast. Maybe someday. But Bonamassa gets it. Um, he, yeah. um, from what I know about him, and again, I'm not a Bonamassa expert. Maybe we'll have Josh come in and sort of. You're not a Bonamaster I wish I had the prices right. Um, this is why this is live to live to uh, tape podcast, folks. <laughs> I really rattled you. I know, just just threw me off my game. I'm not a Bonamassa expert, but um, from what I do know about him, basically what it is is he. It's him and his a uh, good close friend of his, and the friend does the management side. He does the performing side, and they make all the business decisions together. And they've created all these different companies for his touring activities and his recording activities and his merchandising and everything. And they've just got their own thing going and they get to make their own choices and they get to decide if they're not selling in one venue, they can move to another venue. If you want to, if they want to play a tour where it's just nothing but people with the last name King and we're going to play their songs, he can do that. Mm -hmm. And it's that sort of creativity that we want from artists. Uh, I think if you want to truly be creative on the music side of your work, you also need to have that same freedom on the business side. And you only get that when you can be a truly independent artist, like our friend Joe Bonamassa here. Good stuff. Yes, indeed. All right. Thanks very much for listening. We will be right... Oh, did you have another thought there? No. We'll be right back with Break the Business After Dark. Oh, right. After Dark. Yeah. I notice your Break the Business After Dark voice sounds a little bit like your music industry fat cat voice. Are they blending together a little bit? No, they're different. <laughs> Although I didn't like the fact that you just spoiled that that guy doesn't exist. Oh, sorry. Okay. Anyway, we'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast after dark. <laughs> Are you an independent artist looking to promote a recent release or crowdfunding campaign? If so, the Break the Business podcast would love to help you out by giving you a shout out on the air. Email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com and tell us about yourself and your project. It won't cost you anything. We're just looking for a way to give back to the artistic community that's given us so much. Again, that's breakthebusiness at gmail.com for a free shout-out. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. They are a pair of independent singer-songwriters originally from Tampa, Florida, who currently live in Nashville and attend Belmont University. They make recordings and music videos together and separately and perform extensively around the Southeast. In 2015, they each released their first full-length album individually and also released an EP of songs that they made together entitled Zach and Becca EP. They can be found on ZachBiss.com and RebeccaReed.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Biss and Rebecca Reed are on the Break the Business podcast. How's it going, guys? Great. How hey. you guys doing? Uh, it is a pleasure to have you guys on the show. Um, you're college kids, which makes us feel very old. Oh, yes. Uh, b- before we uh, started this interview, we had you uh, tell us what year you were born, and we heard like 96, 97. And- yes, and you you and I uh, just turned 30 within the past two months, basically, and uh, this is most depressing. Yeah. Like we were, Uh-oh. we were actually uh, saying that basically when they were born is when we became friends in junior high. Yes, and thirty's not old. That's eighteen with twelve years of experience, guys. Come on, <laughs> that's actually not bad, Zach. That that's a pretty good way of looking at it. Yeah, that it sounds really like, that sounds like something an eighteen-year-old would say. Well, it, it is funny how they say like, oh, you know, fifties the new forty, forties the new thirty, thirties the new twenty. It's like you know who's not saying that twenty-year-olds. Yeah, they're like, nope. <laughs> they're like, nope. Twenty is twenty, and you guys are old. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I it, feel like such such a baby. I'm only 17. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Well, that's interesting. That means you guys play a lot of like b- uh, pubs and bars, but 
after you're done, you cannot go get a refreshment from yeah. the establishment. <laughs> no. <laughs> we, we've had plenty of people offer to buy us drinks, and it's always funny to, to let them know that we're actually not old enough yet. So yeah. that's always interesting. Sometimes the people behind the bar are like, no, 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 no. They're like, can we get you a chocolate milk? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> well, uh, we actually think it's great to have uh, college students on this podcast. Many of the people who listen to this show who are musicians are in your age group, are probably in college, and they're trying to find ways to move their career forward while also getting that education. I think having folks like you on who are not only doing it, but doing it very well, both in and out of the classroom, um, is going to be a, a great thing. And what I think is also cool about you guys is that, you know, you each have your own separate music. You each have your own EPs, your own website, but you make music together. You guys collaborate. And, you know, that collaboration, I think, is uh, really cool, too. Uh, how has that been like for you guys? Um, has, you know, like, you know, talk about how that's been a positive experience, how you use that collaboration to, you know, promote yourselves together, but also promote your separate projects. Um, I think working together it's just it clicked so well when we first started doing it um i think one of the first songs we actually wrote together was up here in nashville and it mm -hmm. just got such a like awesome vibe to it um working together zach's a great guitar player and i love writing songs so it kind of just mixes really well and when we put that together you know we'll be in the studio doing something and i'll be like oh re-sing this line or fix this lyric and he'll want to do the guitar solo and it just mixes so well that there's never any problems with it it's so smooth and it i guess it promotes each other because we're just like hey check out our other stuff while you're at it and it, it just works people like it and it, it started off where i was playing a uh, a steady tuesday gig uh every <laughs> every week at this place called the green iguana and i'd played it for about two and a half years at that point and then my dad met Rebecca's dad and then they kind of like Facebook chatted and then uh, Becca came out to a couple gigs and played during my breaks and she was awesome and eventually I was like hey uh, why don't you just play with me during my sets and to this day what we do is we just uh, alternate songs and when I sing she'll do harmonies and tambourine and when she sings i'll do some lead guitar over her so it's just it just meshes well and it's a lot more fun than doing a four-hour solo gig because you have someone to talk to and sing with absolutely <laughs> um do you ever find that there are challenges um in collaborating and writing songs together like how do you you know we actually had a, a guest on a few weeks ago that was a married couple and they make music together and, and i want to yes. i think i'm gonna ask you guys the same question i asked them like when you're collaborating um, do you try to reach consensus on all the decisions that you're going to make or, you know, do you have ways of breaking ties? Like, what do you do when both of you have sort of different points of view on something? Have we had very many, like, I don't, I don't know. I think, I don't think we've had many like spats about anything. Yeah. Usually when it comes to something songwriting, Becca wins because she's an amazing songwriter and I've oh, actually learned so much from her about writing music. Um, when it, when it comes to chordal stuff, I think oh, yeah. usually I'll, I'll take the chords. And yeah, stuff. definitely. He takes it and makes it, I got like, the most simple chords in the world and he just like fixes it into something awesome. So I think it's just yeah. like a, a good balance. So I, I don't think we've spotted over anything. No, not yet. As we said a little earlier on the show, you guys uh, both are students at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. You guys are taking on a full course load while trying to move your careers forward. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges of trying to be a student as well as a performer and a songwriter and how you sort of navigate that and balance the two? Well, I mean, actually for me, compared to high school, it's, it's a ton easier. Um, really? Because, yeah, because in college you have so much more downtime to do, like, and we, we sit together, like, especially the first couple of weeks of school, like, we would knock out papers that were due in two months in, like, two days just to get them done. Um, and we, we get all our... our work done early and uh i don't know I, I think for me at least it's been a lot easier zach's got some easier classes I when i, I went to class. register i kind of got shunned so i got all the classes that nobody really wanted like the 8 a.m's so i wake <laughs> up really early every single day and uh my teachers are kind of strict so i get a lot of homework so maybe um, maybe zach's not the guy to ask rebecca how yeah, do you rebecca, balance it rebecca's the person to ask. Zach's, uh, just, zach's just got a bunch of basket weaving courses apparently yeah. and he's yeah you've got organic chemistry yeah. Yeah. Re Re rebecca rebecca you're the real college student here how do you balance your music and your uh, and your schoolwork? <laughs> well it's difficult because practice 
practice hours start at three and they end at seven. And I've got classes, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday that go from three thirty to four forty-five. So there goes an hour and fifteen. And then you've got homework. You have to eventually eat dinner. Um, you know, waking up early every single day and going to bed really late. You kind of want to nap, <laughs> but you can't because you've got homework. And but so I just kind of make it a, a process that no matter where I am or no matter what I'm doing, that music. Like, I know school's important, and this might sound really bad, but music is ultimately, like, my number one priority mixed with everything. So if I can write a couple lyrics down while I'm in class, I will. Or sometimes I don't pay attention in class because I'm writing a song. But then it turns out really awesome, so I'm proud. And I still get awesome grades. So, I mean, you just you just have to find a way to, weave. I guess, weave it all together. I don't know. I feel like I, I don't pay attention in class a lot, but I do at the same time. It's confusing. Uh, do, you, <laughs> do you guys try to make the most of your weekends to try to, you know, build your music forward? Like, are there any times either on the week or on the weekends where you say like, this is music time. This is where I'm only going to focus on my career and not, you know, my schoolwork. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's times where we'll be like, let's go into a practice room and let's do it together so we can both work on our stuff. Or, um, you know, Zach will say, Hey Beck, I'm going to practice for a while. And I'll be like, Oh, cool. I will too. And, you know, and we kind of just, we kind of like made a deal before we came here, you know, don't let each other get to discouraged with anything or you know don't slow down keep each other running for something so i think we've kept kept good with that and inspiring each other so we don't we don't let each other slow down i think that's important it really speaks to the value of a musical partner dave Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like uh think about like you know if you're if you if you're trying to go to the gym like you're more likely to go to the gym each week if you have somebody else that you go to the gym with who kind of makes sure that you stay honest and show up and i think it's kind of the same thing with zach and becca here about their music like you know they they are they're kind they're kind of watching over each other to make sure they stay focused and i think that's a good principle for all artists to follow oh, have yeah. that person that you can collaborate with i mean i think what w- hello you and me right here doing this right that's now that's right yeah i have to keep you on track all the time otherwise <laughs> you're gonna wander off that's right um and i think where you are specifically really allows you to find those collaborators uh you attend belmont university um which i, I don't think a lot of people know about this school but it's a unique education program in music business and in songwriting there's a a lot of aspiring musicians and songwriters in your environment a lot of future record executives and music executives attend belmont in their music business program and a lot of people who are now famous country artists came out of that school and i think perhaps that helps you to uh stay focused with your music because there's so many other people doing it around you uh can you tell a little bit about the belmont experience and how that how you think that particular environment might help your career yeah, definitely. I mean, as I said earlier, I like if you're walking um, like from a dorm to another dorm to the courtyard, you'll see like just jam sessions going on. Like everyone plays, and uh, when practice hours are are going on, you can hear you know the drummers bashing it out. We've actually met um, a drummer that we played some gigs with already up here. But I mean, it's just be nice to everyone really and just like make connections and make real you know friendships with them because you yeah. never know you know who they know because we um we've had some really cool experiences up here already like meeting some very successful country artists and stuff and uh like actually like we were at the uh the local mexican restaurant right across the street and uh becca opened the door for uh, miranda lambert she was just walking <laughs> right in oh. so i mean you really never know who's gonna be here in nashville which is is really cool and it's really inspiring in a way. Um, no, no shade thrown to Tampa, but like I played gigs there for four or five years yeah. and never saw like anyone famous, with, with the exception of Chris Christopherson at one gig. But like oh. other than that, like <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Um, funny story though, like I had no idea who he was. He was <laughs> he was filming Dolphin Tail or something. <laughs> And I, he was actually, like, watching my gig, and he talked to me for a while. He's like, you're awesome, man. Like, never give up. I'm like, oh, thanks, Chris. And then I went to the bathroom and Googled who he was because I thought I heard the name before. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, he's super awesome. Like, that's that's really cool. Your so. age is showing again, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but think that one of the reasons why you guys are already making such great progress is that you've already done some pretty impressive stuff despite being so unbelievably young. And in this year alone, you've each made your own album and you've made an EP together. That's, 
an incredibly productive year, particularly because you guys are also students in college. And all the recordings you've made are really high quality, um, you know, much more than I would say, you know, the average indie artist can do in their first effort. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, the recording process Thank for you. those works? Uh, my pleasure. And uh, and maybe give some advice for artists on how they can you know create similarly high quality uh, content. Well, we're blessed to uh, have worked with our buddy Adam Klingman in his studio, and um, we really enjoy it because it's a very laid back experience. It's not like going to a, a really like fancy fancy studio and like being all, all pressured, yeah, being and all pressured and, and timed and stuff. Here, you know, you just go to his house and he kind of records off Pro Tools and pet his dog and play guitar. Yeah, he yeah. really works with you too. Like I remember coming in um, after Zach's dad had told me about Adam, and I had just handfuls of songs that I wanted to play this guy and he listened to every single one over and over again and we picked out the ones that we thought were the best and then we listened to them again and we, we probably recorded them you know draft 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 um f like three or four times and he just really puts his his heart into it and he he focuses and he does what what you hear too so he hears a lot of awesome production stuff and if we have an idea, he totally sits down and he works with it, too. I think the thing definitely for someone who's looking to do, you know, one of their first recordings, I mean, I think you got to find someone who you're comfortable around, who you Absolutely. can goof off with and throw different ideas with. Um, like, and I really think like that if you can find someone you're comfortable with, that's a little bit less expensive than like a real fancy studio that's really expensive I, I think it's definitely worth it because if you're if you're rigid going into a studio you're not going to come out with the end result yeah. that you want you're going to have a really strange aftertaste after your cd's done <laughs> sure and especially because you guys are early in your career there's it's so valuable for you to basically crunch out as much content as you can as much music as you can to keep your you know keep your fans uh having a st steady stream of your art and so, you know, you, you want to basically get as many songs as you can for every dollar you spend. And so it, you know, for you, it makes much more sense to, you know, be in a, in a, in a, you know, a, a more humble recording environment where, by the way, you know, you can get pretty good results in a home studio setup as you guys have demonstrated with your, with your yeah. albums. Um, and so, you know, for someone in your situation and for many indie artists, you don't necessarily need that recording studio palace especially if you're not going to get as much bang for your buck in terms of how many songs you create. And especially if the person that you work with isn't going to really carry your vision for what you want your work to be, as well as the, uh, the gentleman that you two worked with was right. And, and at this stage of the game too, I mean, it's not like we're playing for millions of people yeah. either, you know, <laughs> I mean, we are definitely trying to get out there, but I, I don't, I personally don't see the, the value of spending, you know, 20 grand on a, on a recording if yeah. if not that many people are going to hear it i mean definitely have something that sounds good that if a new person hears it they'd be like oh i like this but like it doesn't have to be super you know radio quality mm -hmm. at the first you know first recording certainly not because you know most you know in in this you know for most for many indie artists the serves the songs don't necessarily serve a a function of trying to get be on the radio your songs are trying to promote you and it's advertising. To, right. Yeah. And so you need as much stuff out there as you possibly can. You guys have done an amazing job of that in, you know, in just one year. Um, Thank you. One of the other things you guys are great at is social media. You two are Twitter hounds. Um, you have, <laughs> I mean, you just a, 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 a very impressive Twitter following for both of you. And I know that there's a ton of indie artists out there who would love very much to be able to, you know, have something resembling the following you guys have achieved. Uh, are there any tips you can give on just sort of, you know, dominating Twitter as you guys have done? Well, Twitter is an interesting animal. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a little frustrating because we do have, we've been lucky enough to get a lot of followers. However, getting them engaged and actually like true fans, that that's a whole different thing. And, and to be honest with you, we haven't figured out how to do it yet. Like, we've got people who are consistent with us. And we I do. think a, a strong influence is, you know, you just talk to people. Talk to them like, like your friends, you know, because I see so many people go out and push, like, um, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, yeah. buy my stuff. And it, that's important. Like, you want people to support your music. But, the, but, yeah, you have to find a balance. The closer you can grow with your fans as friends, the more they're going to want to support you because, it, you know, like, 
if I talked to Zach, like, hey, if I met him and I was like, hey, man, buy my stuff, he would be like, all right, you go away. <laughs> but, but you know, you, you build a friendship with them first. I mean, you don't have to sit mm-hmm. there and talk to them 24-7. But which it, some of them want. Yes, which some of them want. But, but yeah, it's just your fans are your friends. Treat them like they're your friends and they'll treat you like they want to support you. Basically, like we built our Twitter followings off of um, that. There's an app called Just Unfollow. Now it's called Crowdfire. But you can follow people. Sorry, what what was the name of that app? It's called Crowdfire. And um, what what it is is you follow people who follow other accounts like I would follow people who follow Luke Bryan or something like, cause I know they like country music. Um, and like out of, you know, you follow so many people a day, people will follow you back and be like, Oh, you also play country music. Let me listen to you. So that's how we kind of built our followings. Yeah. With that app. But it, um, it's, it's not like a robotic thing either. Cause no. once we get in touch with them, like we get in touch with them. It's yeah. not just like, Oh, let me follow you and then never talk to you again. It, yeah. You know, it's consistent. Well, no, but that, that sounds like a great way to find, you know, to, to find people who might be interested in, in your music. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. It's because, you know, it's either that or like, you know, you scroll through that, you know, people who you might be interested in following box on Twitter that only shows like three profiles at a time. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like a great way. And of course, once you follow them, um, they get to experience uh, some of your great music. And we'd love to play uh, one song of yours on the show right now. And, um, you know, we have two of you on, but luckily we have some songs that you guys have done together so we can get you both in one song. Um, We have a song from your latest EP, uh, Zach and Becca. Um, This song is called Falling for You. Thank you very much, guys, for letting us play this on the show. Thank you you for playing it. It means a lot. Oh, it's our pleasure. And it's coming up right now on the Break the Business podcast. Tough love and that's when you showed up And now I know right from wrong You're written in the stars for me And I'm not one for jealousy But if you're not mine, I can't go
My goodness gracious, I can't believe you guys made that in a home recording studio. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. That, yeah. that, that was fantastic. You guys are just uh, tremendous. You can find them at uh, ZachBissMusic.com and RebeccaReed.com. Yeah, and I just want to say, great great song, great collaboration. I was wondering, actually, because we talked about how you collaborate, and you guys got such a good positive vibe. I'm wondering if the artist in you guys ever wonders... Geez, it'll be really great when we actually have a fight or something or disagree, because then we're going to get some really good songwriting out of that. I know. Good good songwriting thrives on conflict, guys. You got to fight. That's where that's where my individual CD comes in. You should listen to the lyrics. Oh, the okay. Oh, ones. That's, that's the name drops, uh... Rex, yeah, I, I need to drop, drop my ex in my lap. Oh, <laughs> got it. So apparently, you can't. Apparently, it's illegal to put addresses in there or something. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Goodness gracious. We, we, we'd say, do not do that, folks. Please do not do that. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. See, okay, so she so she's got the conflict in her life, so she can write the songs that aces her songwriting classes yes. in Belmont. Although I guess Zach, it will be a problem then if she ever says, by the way. Uh, thanks for helping me out on this new album of mine. Uh, don't buy it. Don't listen to it. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just don't. Trust me. <laughs> um, yeah, oh. I'll be in trouble. I find it on my doorstep. Oh, God. <laughs> so before we let you guys go, and, and uh, you know, believe me, uh, we have enjoyed very much having you on. Uh, can you uh, impart any last advice for any artists out there trying to build their careers, particularly maybe artists in your age group, maybe who go to college, um, you know, any insight you can provide would be invaluable. I say, I mean, just first and foremost, I mean, figure out your music, figure out your craft, write every day. Um, cause that's, that is the most, the single most important thing in making it is, is making good music. Um, and in continuing to make better music, uh, find, you know, once you find your, your niche, your genre, I mean, figure out a, a city where that's like the thing, like, you know, country and Nashville go together. Um, if you're pop, you know, go, go to somewhere like LA or something or wherever it's big, you know, just find a, a Mecca for that music and go to, go to college and just make those connections if you can. And, uh, last thing I have to say is, uh, don't worry too much about the social media. I mean, I know, I know the the numbers look good, but you it's very frustrating when <laughs> when you can't get a response. Very frustrating. So I, I'd say just you know, you know, try it, work on it, but but don't make it your main priority. What about you, Beck? Uh, yeah, I I'd, I'd have to say write as much as possible. Again, uh, like like I said, even in class, I'm writing or before bed, write something, even if you're not writing an entire song if it's just a line it doesn't even have to have chords to it, it doesn't have to rhyme yet it can just be a scratch or, or something just write that and i think secondly one of the most important things that i notice a lot of kids forget to reflect upon is you know your ego isn't as, as important as a lot of these people think it is you know do what you love because you love it not because people are going to love you so i mean that that comes along with it i just think the the more humble and the more honest you are you know, the better the road is going to look for you. Make connections. Be nice to people. You know, be as nice as you can to people, even when they're mean to you, because, that you know, they're going to turn around one day and they're going to help you out and you're going to help them out. And it's just good. build a base, you know, keep people you love and who love you nearby. But your ego is really not as important as you think it is. I think that's something kids our age could definitely reflect upon. Especially in, Nash especially in Nashville, too, because it's a big city with, a small town vibe. It, yeah. is, it is the strangest thing, but everybody knows everybody here. Yeah. Which is awesome. But if you're if you're not a nice person, then it will definitely get around. Absolutely. <laughs> you guys are way too young to have this much wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my goodness. When I was like, d d were you ever this thoughtful and insightful when you were 17, 18? Oh, God, no. Yeah, I'm not that insightful <laughs> now. No, no, no. I was kind of like goofing around and you were in the library at UM just with your head in the books till like one in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you, know, you guys are outstanding. It has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, please don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon. Oh, yay. That'd be the bomb. Yeah. Thanks for having us, guys. Uh, it's our pleasure. Uh, take care. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. 
If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the podcast. Our thanks to Zach Biss and Rebecca Reed for joining us in the previous segments and making us feel very, very old. Exceedingly. Yes. But it was great. A lot of great stuff there. They gave us some awesome advice on social media and building a nice Twitter following. They had some great thoughts on how to balance your music with also being a full-time college student. And a lot of great stuff about just the recording process. I can't believe that these two kids, and that's what they are, they're freaking children, have released in this together in the span of one calendar year, two albums between the two of them, and an EP of songs um, in which they both sing on it. That's insane. That's a that's a very that would be a very productive year for somebody who only does music. For somebody who does music and is a full time college student, that's insanity. That's good job on those guys. Yeah, I am very confident they have a bright future ahead of them. It is now time for the D Block, and I'm very excited this week. Actually, I should be a little uh, more specific. I am excited, but also a little upset at the D Block this week. Uh Uh-oh, why? Because as we discussed last week, you had this great rant last week towards the end of the show where you were talking about how you were upset that people stand in parking spaces to reserve them for drivers oh yes these squatters that are a menace yes. yes and you you have said that that is should not be done in society it should not and from there we said that it would be really cool if we made you like the ultimate arbiter on all societal questions on how yeah. to run in a civilized society we did discuss that yes yes and i invited the listeners to email us right with um, you know, suggestions for things to for you to be the final arbiter on. Right. Here's what makes me mad. Okay. This show has been on the air for 13 weeks, and for 13 weeks, I've been trying to get people to email this show, uh, to interact with us on the music business stuff that I discuss. All these articles, you know, I want to hear from artists and create a dialogue, and I get crickets, like one email a month. But when I tell people Dave is going to make decisions about society and for people to send their societal questions, uh-huh. the freaking inbox gets flooded. Well, it sounds like the people have spoken. They, uh, I yeah. think, and next they make week, me mad. <laughs> next week is going to have to be uh, break the business with Dave. Yes, we're all we're the whole show for going forward. Like we're not even going to talk music business anymore because all people want is for you to answer society's yeah. toughest questions. And, but I'll, I'll plug my book still. Break the business by Dave. You know, by David. That's it's my book. No, no, no. It'll, it'll be my book. And I'll, don't worry. I'll talk to the publishers, and those proceeds will be going to my direct deposit. <laughs> I'm just going to take over your life slowly but surely. But I'm a reasonable guy, though, and I know. And when, when I hear the call from the listeners, I listen to it. I'm not going to ignore them. It is clear that they want you to okay. make decisions on tough societal questions like whether it's okay to stand in a parking lot to reserve a space because, again, they flooded our inbox. So we are going to create that segment. It's a big responsibility, which I take on gladly. And so you're, you're ready for this. I'm ready. And so in regard to that, because, I again, I want to be a team player and the audience has spoken. Right. I created some imaging for this segment where you get to make all the tough decisions on how we act in civilized society. And you have not heard this imaging yet. No, no, no. Cause I was actually working today. I guess you didn't. <laughs> I did this last night, actually very, oh. I stayed up very late. It took me, I've never done imaging like this before. It took me a lot longer than I thought, but I I'm excited and you're going to hear it for the first time. Mm hmm. Uh, along with the rest of the audience, okay. but uh, I think I think you're going <laughs> to yeah. like it. So this is the, the imaging for our new segment, Dave, the Ultimate Arbiter. In these difficult times, one man has the courage to fight for what's right. We are living in a society. Society has rules. He'll make the tough decisions so that we can live in a civilized world. And let Dave be the ultimate arbiter. If he finds out that you reserved a parking spot by standing in it, you'll suffer his wrath. That's against the rules of the parking lots. All rise for Dave, the ultimate arbiter. 
Yeah, he likes that it. That was awesome, dude. I, I got to get that on a business card. Could you turn that into a business card? Can I turn an audio file into a business card? Yes. <laughs> yes, that was amazing. I, that was great. I love you, buddy. Oh, I love you too. I'm, was... I'm glad you. I'm glad you enjoy it. That may be one of the nicest things that anyone's ever done for me. Well, uh, it, it's it's what the arbiter Which deserves. Is is nice and also horribly sad. <laughs> oh. But nice. It's nice. But it's what you deserve. You're taking on this significant responsibility to make all these decisions for the world. You know, your rulings are final. There are no appeals, and so I think you deserve really good imaging. Step, I, I gotta step it up now because that, that with that. Uh... That piece of audio there, thats we're in a whole new league now. Yeah. So of the emails I received, I selected three. Okay. Three cases that you can rule uh, on. Right. And I, listeners... I, I hear by Grant Cert. Yes. These are the cases you've Grant Cert for. Yeah. And so, listeners, if you want to be one of these cases, if you want Dave the Arbiter to arbit, I guess is the verb, your cases, arbitrate, mm-hmm. uh, send it to breakthebusiness at gmail.com. So here's the first one. This is an email from a listener. Yesterday... One of my friends spoiled the ending of the final episode of a popular TV show. Even though the show has been off the air for a couple years now, I am still binge-watching it on Netflix. When I yelled at him, he told me that it is my fault for not watching the show when it was first on the air. But I think he should respect the fact that most people watch TV shows many years later and keep his mouth shut. Dave, addressed you by name, he probably should have said your honor or arbiter, but you'll forgive that because it's your first week on the bench. Yeah, that, that sort of familiarity will may not be tolerated in the future, but for now, I'll allow it. <laughs> your, your mercy is... You're, uh... you're on a thin ice, counselor. <laughs> what is the statute of, statute of limitations on spoiler alerts for TV shows? All right, so if I have the premise correct, this was a television show on television that now this person is watching... On Netflix. That's correct, Your Honor. I'm guessing this is like, it's like Breaking Bad. Like Breaking Bad, like The Wire, something something where it's it was on TV and you, you had to wait once a week. I believe that's a correct statement of the record, Your Honor. Okay, all right. And now, so this person's friend happened to say, oh, hey, isn't it weird or something? Or just happened to talk about it and like, hey, well. Yes, oh, it was crazy when so-and-so died or something. Yeah. Did he say how long ago the show was off the air? He said two years ago been two years sorry 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 nope two years have passed it was a show that was on tv on tv and now it's on netflix you did not watch it you've assumed the risk here risk assumption all right okay you can't now all of a sudden be like hey wait why did i get tetanus from playing on these rusty swings (laughs) that i just i gladly went on no, um, you assume the risk. So and, by enjoying, by taking advantage of binge watching a show after it's off the air and, you know, getting no commercials and getting to watch them one after another, the, the, the risk to that is that somebody might spoil the ending for oh, you. Oh, I'm sorry. Is your time so precious you can't take the one hour or 30 minutes or whenever it is at the few years ago? What were you doing? What were you doing that was so damn important? Answer me! <laughs> He's not here. It's just a letter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the letter. <laughs> so there. So what you're saying is that if a show is on the air and it's on Netflix, there is no st- like the 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 statute. There is no like statute of limitations. Like the, like you can like you are at risk of getting spoiled from the day that show is off the air. If it's if it's been if it's been a year already and now two years. No, you have no. There's no expectation of uh, not hearing a spoiler there in that point. All right, sorry. People are talking about it now. I will say, okay, because we are living in this uh, new and dangerous world of Netflix shows and like Amazon House shows. of Cards, that kind of you stuff. Know, um, yeah, House of Cards, Daredevil, um, where it was never on network TV. Jessica Jones. Yeah, it just came out. Yeah, never on TV. It's all available at once. That one, there is. You do have to be careful because not everyone may watch it i i finished season three of house of cards in like two days yeah but you can't talk about it oh that's a that's some very that's some very accommodating judgmentship and that was way. earlier this year right yeah it comes, early, comes early out in this year 2015 oh so so like like even now i'm thinking like i don't want to talk about it just in case that one i think you do have a year You're one not year to talk one year one year, you're not allowed to talk. If it's on TV and now it's on Netflix, no. Oh. You've lost You've lost that. If someone lets you know 
about the Sopranos ending. You know, granted, although that one wasn't so much a, <clears throat> a direct thing, you know, all of a sudden they're just there and it just cuts off. Com- <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was kind of hoping you'd be a silent little sorry, bit. Sorry, sorry. All right. Um, that was fantastic. I, I am so convinced you're the right, right man for the job. Here's so, the second one. Okay. Oh, I was going to say, final ruling, your friend didn't spoil it. You can't be mad at your friend. Your friend gets to punch you in the face. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Tough but fair. Oh, no, there's punishments, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that. This is a full service. <laughs> good, good ruling. Good ruling. Yeah. Next one. This was a quicker email. This wasn't a long explanation like the previous litigant. Can I not leave a tip? If a waiter is really, really bad. All right. So, my answer, with some caveats. Caveats, all right. Is, yes, I think there are some points where service is so bad, you you don't have to leave a tip. I, I believe the uh, the phrase used in the brief here was really, really bad. Really, really bad. See, because here's the so thing. This, is, uh, this must be a special kind of waiter incompetence. Because... It may not be the waiter, because like if the kitchen is slow, if you've got like a bad cook in the back or something, that's not the waiter's fault. Mm-hmm. If the cook is bad, it's not the waiter's fault. The kitchen could just be slow. Therefore, if that's the the reason for your bad service, you think like maybe oh my god, I've been waiting for for a while. I don't think that's enough reason to th- that's not enough to not leave a tip because at that point, it's not the the waiter can't control this. All right, they don't control when your freaking jalapeno poppers come out. So, your honor, what you're telling us is that it's on the it's on the patron to investigate to figure out where the blame lies in the poor service. Like you have to go into the kitchen and interview the cooks or No, but I'm saying you can probably extrapolate what the problem is. Now, if the service is you're not you sit down and no one says hello to you for 10 minutes, if maybe no one's refilling your drinks, if there's an attitude if you can just tell there's just an air of something's not right here. This person just really sucks at their job. Mm-hmm. Then you're allowed to dock. De- definitely, you, you, you start, you, you dock them. You start docking them. You go down from 15, you know, see, it's interesting. I feel like, is my girl going to say something about me? Me, I, I always do 15. That's, that's your, that's your baseline? Unless it's like a place I know and it's people I know, I'm always, then I go maybe 18, 20. But usually Ooh. my baseline's 15. All right. If you're kind of, if you're, if you're not doing good, I knock you down to 10. Knock you down to 10%. If it's like so abhorrent, which it's been like maybe less than a handful. I mean, it's been, you know, maybe less than five times my whole life where it's just been like nothing. No pain, pain for the food itself, but not for the service because there was none. All right. There you go. You know, it all depends. If you think if, if if all if all else and they're they're nice and everything, and it's just you can tell maybe the kitchen's slow, and you can see around the restaurant other people are also waiting a long time, leave them a tip. If it's something that they're just so abhorrently bad and rude and just a complete mess, then I say you're allowed with not leaving the tip. Right, the judge has spoken. You got one more here. The judge has spoken. <laughs> And now your honor with this third one, I don't know what I was doing there with this third (laughs) one. Um, I believe we would call this a, a motion for reconsideration or perhaps an appeal. Someone is questioning me. That's right. Your judgment from last episode. Somebody wants to propose something new. Who dares question me? Uh, A friend of the show. Here we go. Ready? (gasps) So here's what this person writes with regard to your judgment last week that people are not allowed to stand in parking spots to reserve spaces for others. He writes, I'll I'll say you guys are pretty spot on, but to bring it back around to music, because this is, of course, a music show. Well, maybe. I have a caveat. It is certainly acceptable for a musician or girlfriend to hold a parking spot for up to 15 minutes to retain a close spot for another musician, usually the drummer. It is on the person waiting to explain to passing cars that they are reserving it for a musician, and it is up to society to bequeath said sparking, uh, said parking spot. Your Honor, what say you? What? Whoa. First of all, that whole thing was very convoluted. I, I, I believe the gist of it is if it's a musician waiting for another musician at a, at a venue— and I guess you need that musician to show up. You can hold the spot for that musician by standing in the spot because I guess it's important for that musician to get there. And what he's saying is you can hold it for up to 15 minutes. And by the way, it seems like it's the, it's it's this musician's uh, girlfriend 
Uh, he said, yes, he said, the musician or the girlfriend can hold the spot. That's what or, he is proposing, Or, or, or maybe Honor. his wife. <laughs> I don't think I don't know who you are, sir. <laughs> so you know, you know the person who wrote this one? Yeah. Doesn't well, try not to let that affect your impartial judgment, Your Honor. No, I, I, I think he's all right sometimes. <laughs> you know, but, um, but shouldn't the music venue have a place, A, either in the back for the musician's uh, truck, uh, van, cargo, whatever the heck you want to call it. Sure, that that seems reasonable. If you're gonna if you're gonna hire a musician, you should have spots for them. If you're a venue, right? Yeah. Why are they parking with the patrons? Why Why are you with you know the normals of society? <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be the musician? Aren't you're the one on the stage, man? What are you doing down there with the common folk? All right, <laughs> stay on the stage, bruh. Stay on the stage. I don't know. I don't know. Who I don't that know what is, you're right? doing there. But wait, what? No, get the friggin' owner of the club of the space, whatever, to hold you a goddamn spot somewhere. All right. It's no, 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 no. I, no. I reject the premise entirely. Motion that somehow, denied. That somehow musicians, as a group, are exempt from this. That's so selfish of you, bro. That is so selfish. Damn. I can't believe you, man. <laughs> you know what? I'm coming over there right now. Knock, knock. <laughs> and this is only for him. Yeah, because you, you... This you, is really great I think podcasting you, I think, right now. I was about to say, this I think is for you an know, audience of one. Because you know the guy who wrote this this particular email. Oh, I know him. Yeah. I know him all too well, right? He has a distinct writing style, I think. Anyway, so... Anyway, no. The, the motion is denied... You are hereby sentenced. Oh, to, damn. Oh, remember, yes. Oh, I forgot. I forgot you punished for people who bring bad premises. Because to you. you think you are exempt, sir, from, from the, the rules, rules of society. Yes. And thinking like, oh, my drummer could totally, <laughs> I can just make this place for my drummer or whatnot. You now have to park in the furthest place and your drummer has to carry all that shit himself to the venue. Damn. All right. And I really hope he's got a second bass drum there. I hope he's got a double <laughs> kick set going on. All right. With a bunch of friggin'. I, I hope he's basically like friggin' Neil Peart or John Bonner, or, you know, someone from the like the 80s with like that massive kit that goes around <laughs> on like for miles. He is not allowed to park anywhere near. And oh, I know what you're thinking. Oh, we'll get his grandfather's disability tag and park it right up front. No. <laughs> that is not allowed. And by the way, I know where you live. Parking is an issue for you. <laughs> true enough and I, I, i'm gonna be i'm gonna go there i'm gonna call all the people at all the venues at all, in this city i have the time <laughs> and <laughs> i'm gonna make sure if you're playing they do not give you parking privileges damn harsh this is what happens when you question me <laughs> let that be a lesson to, to everyone out to there. anyone who tries to appeal one of your rulings you come down hard oh no wait, 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 what, what do you think this is the like the united states with a constitution no, no, no. This is my world right now, all right? It's like Judge Dredd. Judge, jury, and executioner here, all right? Don't make me mad. Otherwise, things could happen to Ryan. You don't want that. Hey, hey, what he's, did I do? He's, he's your buddy in this adventure, all right? He's the one trying to help you. All right. Our court has adjourned our thanks to Dave, the ultimate arbiter, yeah, for I, a job well done. I guess you're my bailiff, right? I guess I would be, yeah. Okay, cool. We got to get, uh, get you a uniform. It's it's not a it's a it's an audio podcast. Why would I have to wear a uniform? Are you questioning me? No, no, of course not. <laughs> um, if you again, if you want to have your case um, arbited by Dave, the ultimate arbiter, send him an email to breakthebusiness at gmail dot com. As you can see, he's pretty good at this. As he, you can see, yes, he gives the final rulings. I, I like that. That was fun. I, I want more. I want more of these. Right, you got a taste of power, and now yes. uh, <laughs> now yeah. you want more. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should. Oh, you know, this is going to start me on this, on this, on this path, on this trajectory. Before you know it, I'll be running for president in 2016. <laughs> I think there's room for one more. That's right. It's not the field's not nearly crowded enough. Yeah. Our thanks to Zach Biss and Rebecca Reed. Our thanks to all the people who sent in cases for David, the ultimate yes. arbiter. Thank to, you very much to decide. Uh, we will see you all next week. Thank you very, very much for listening to the Break the Business podcast. After dark. <laughs>